0: The Big Fight Weekend Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you in part by Odds Crowd, and Odds Crowd has a ton of free fantasy betting contests, including a $2,000 season-long MLB contest and a $500 weekly contest. Just download their app today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home to free daily video picks from the SGPN. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. And make sure that you subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. We're also brought to you in part by PixWise. PixWise has free picks every day for every sport. Check out all their expert plays and betting news at PixWise.com. That's PixWise.com. We're also brought to you in part by Better Edge. Better Edge is a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like the stock market. The best part is it allows you to bet with no vig. That's right, no VIG, and it's legal in 40 states. Sign up at BetterEdge.com, promo code SGP, for a free $10 bet. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, Edge.com, promo code SGP. And we're also giving away $500 in our Masters Daily Fantasy Contest that is completely free to enter. Just go to SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash Masters. That's SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash Masters.
1: The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves.
0: Yes, sir, we are back in on another edition of the podcast that gets you ready for everything in the sweet science, not just in the U.S., but anywhere the fights are going on, we are all about it as part of Big Fight Weekend and the podcast. I am a somewhat capable host. Later on in the program, senior writer Marquise Johns from the website is here. We've got action not only in the Showtime bubble at the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut, but all the way out in the Las Vegas bubble for top-ranked boxing and in Matchroom Boxing's bubble in England in London. Fight cards abound this weekend, and we look forward to talking all about it. Here with Marquise a little later on in the show for these uh, fights that include a, a world light heavyweight title fight and some eliminator fights in the welterweight and the super welterweight divisions, etc. There's even a ladies' bout that might be intriguing as well. Plenty to talk about with Marquise later on in the show. Straight ahead, we're on the anniversary week of Sugar Ray Leonard and the late Marvin Hagler. And I still have to pause when I say the late Marvin Hagler. Uh, who fought some 34 years ago this week in Las Vegas in as big a fight, as big a non-heavyweight fight as there has been, arguably in the last 40 years of boxing. They fought it on April the 6th, 1987, and a guest with us on the podcast wrote a book just about that fight called The Super Fight. Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, some six or seven years in the making. They finally fought it in 1987, And Brian Dugan will be here, a Northern Irishman from the U.K. He's a contemporary of our guy, David Payne, the boxing writer in England. Brian Dugan here, who wrote all about Leonard and Hagler. I look forward to talking with him about the book, why he wanted to write it, the backstory, uh, so much about this. Uh, And as Marquise knows, when we come to the conversation with him, he and I debate this. I debate it with with a bunch of people. Sugar Ray Leonard won that fight against Marvin Hagler. Of course, Hagler fans believe he won the fight. We'll talk with Brian Dugan, the author of the book about the fight, super fight, uh, Leonard and Hagler. Uh, We'll talk with him coming up straight ahead in a few moments. Again, a reminder, whether you found this show, social media link uh, through the Sports Gambling Podcast, their fleet of shows. Uh, Sean Green, Ryan Kramer, Colby Dan, all those guys with the Sports Gambling Podcast, their network of shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. If you found the show that way through their website, if you found us through a social media link, subscribe, 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 subscribe. Go find Big Fight Weekend on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Go get Big Fight Weekend. It comes automatically to you, usually Fridays in the preview mode uh, through the weekend. We just keep rocking on, and I am going to talk with Marquise because we previewed Jamel Herring and Carl Frampton a bunch last week. Herring victorious by TKO, literally retiring Carl Frampton, we believe, and Jamel Herring now has a lot of options open to him and lucrative ones. I want to talk with Marquise about that, but anyway, we previewed that fight a bunch heading into last weekend, the WBO 130-pound title. We got more fights to preview Later on in this show, again, get the podcast whenever it's ready. Usually Friday, midday, Eastern time, maybe a little after. Get it in the preview mode. Get ready for Saturday and the weekend with Big Fight Weekend if you subscribe on the podcast all right we are ready we are ready to get with our first guest to talk a lot of leonard and Hagler. marquise john's with me in a bit after that conversation is over to preview the weekend and more as part of the fistic artistry that is boxing we've got all of that ready to roll let's get to it as promised it did not take long for me to answer the knock at the door when our next guest came knocking wanting to talk about Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, April the 6th, 1987, dubbed and billed as The Super Fight. And this man wrote a book called The Super Fight. He is based in England from Northern Ireland, Brian Dugan is here as a guest on the big fight weekend podcast right now thank you for finding us thank you for finding us on big fight weekend thank you for connecting to me and as I said it was an easy sell in the figurative sense for you to come on and talk Leonard Hagler and the nostalgia Brian it's great to have you
1: thank you TJ and it's it's great uh, to be on your show really delighted all right, so
0: I always love asking different things of authors that are basically the same thing. What made you want to write a book about Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, 1987 and the Superfight?
1: I think it's easy. They're two of the greatest fighters who ever put on the gloves. Um, they were the centerpiece uh, of an outstanding era, a glorious era of boxing. The Super Fight was the centerpiece. They were the two pivotal characters. You had supporting characters that included fighters of the caliber of Roberto Duran and Tommy Hearns, you know, great fighters in their own right. But the two guys who were the supreme guys in that era were unquestionably Sugar Ray Leonard and Marvelous Marvin Hagler. And the fight has just so many facets. That's why I wanted to write about it.
0: No question. And you, you have pointed out kind of in the buildup to the book, and it's accurate, that Leonard beat Duran, Leonard beat Hearns. Hagler beat Duran, Hagler beat Hearn. So this was the natural culmination of them having beaten the other greats of the of the foursome, the quartet, if you will, and for this fight. Um, again, let's go back to that time period. Marvin Hagler was menacing. He had won uh, 12 consecutive undisputed middleweight title defenses had, uh, it lived through as menacing a title defense with Thomas Hearns a couple years earlier, survived it and knocked him out. Sugar Ray Leonard had been retired for three years. We weren't sure at that time. And full disclosure, I say this all the time on the podcast, I'm as big a Sugar Ray Leonard fan as there ever was. I wasn't sure if my guy, and I was growing up as a, as a youth, as a teenager, I wasn't sure he was ever going to fight again. And then he comes out of retirement, three years out of retirement, without a tune-up fight, to fight Marvin Hagler. Brian, again, pick up on that point. It's one of the great subplots of this fight.
1: It's a tremendous subplot. And, uh, you know, obviously Muhammad Ali and his resurrection in the African jungle against George Foreman. uh, and, And indeed, Ali coming back even to fight 15 rounds with Joe Fraser. You can make the argument that Sugar Ray Leonard's comeback against Marvin Hagler is the greatest comeback in the history of boxing. You can make that argument. You said... Quite rightly, TJ, that it was a three-year layoff. You could make the case that actually those nine unimpressive rounds against Kevin Howard, that it almost constituted a five-year layoff, really, because he was so unimpressive in that fight against Kevin Howard, had been knocked down. As you say, Marvin Hagler, I mean, he was a guy who he made Makers feel like undertakers. It was a guy who obliterated the opposition. And Tommy Hearns, that famous war in 1985, that was, you know, the kind of thing where Norman Mailer was ringside at, uh, at Ali Foreman. He was ringside at Ali Fraser. He said about Hagler Hearns, he had never seen anything like it. I don't think anyone had seen anything, anyone like it. Harry Mullen, uh, a compatriot of my, my own, also from, from Derry in Northern Ireland. He was the editor of Boxing News. He was ringside at that fight. He felt he was going to suffer a heart attack. Because the, what he was what he was viewing was just so overwhelming, and uh, Marvin Hagler uh, was quite rightly a huge favorite going into the fight against uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. Leonard was a, a, a big underdog, and we understand why because people couldn't see that Ray Leonard uh, could come back to fit to to beat this man who was dominant in his domain. Marvin Hagler didn't just beat the middleweights in his era. He obliterated uh, the middleweights in his era. That fight against Tommy Hearns, uh, there were guys at ringside looking at one another thinking, you know, what What have I just seen? And one stunned observer uh, looked at uh, the guy next to him and he said, uh, who should Hagler fight next? The other guy said, what about Russia? Uh, And that's, you know, that's just just really what Marvin Hagler constituted at that period. I don't think that people quite understand how dominant Hagler was. He was Mike Tyson before Mike Tyson came along. And that was the challenge that Ray Leonard confronted that night in the super fight.
0: The voice of Brian Dugan with us here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. His book is The Super Fight. You can find it on Amazon, wherever you get your books online, et cetera. We're talking with him about the book and about the anniversary now of Sugar Ray Leonard. And we have to say it, unfortunately, sadly, the late Marvin Hagler, April the 6th, 1987. Uh, Brian is our guest here uh, during this segment, reminiscing about it. Um And again, I love that. I don't know that I've ever heard it described that way, but you're right. He didn't have all the great first-round immediate knockouts, but he was menacing like Mike Tyson. He was Tyson before Tyson, before we ever knew about Tyson later on in the decade of the 80s and what he uh, became. Um, Interesting, too, on this fight that it could have maybe happened. It could have happened before the Hearns fight, Brian, as you know, uh, and for those that are longtime fight fans know, but Ray Leonard didn't want the fight. Uh, Ray Leonard, even very famously uh, called Marvin Hagler along with numerous other dignitaries to a, to a whole event where he was going to either make the announcement that he was fighting Marvin Hagler or retiring. And then he very publicly humiliated Marvin Hagler and said, I'm not going to fight you. It'll never happen. He stood in the ring and said, it'll never happen. Good night, everybody. I'm not fighting you. So that's another subplot here. We could have maybe gotten it earlier. But Ray Leonard was avoiding Marvin Hagler for a while,
1: yes? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're, you're absolutely spot on and almost word for word, in fact, what Ray Leonard said that night in the ring in the Baltimore uh, Civic Center when he announced his retirement and humiliated Marvin because he had invited Marvin specifically to be there that night at ringside. Uh, and, of course, Marvin thought he was being invited because Ray was finally going to accept the challenge. But <laughs> then he just slapped some more egg on Marvin's face. And as you say, I said, so long, that's it. I'm not going to fight anymore. It would be the greatest fight of all time, but we're not going to do it. And uh, you see, that, 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 I mean, that's integral, actually, to the whole drama uh, that there was. And, and it's integral to what Marvin Hagler felt about life, that he would never get an even break. He had to absolutely do it the hard way from, from the days of uh, being in the ghetto, growing up in the ghetto in Central Ward in New York, New Jersey, all the way through to uh, coming, coming through the hard way in Brockton, Massachusetts, having to, having to wage those Philly wars where he was the guy who had to travel and he got done with some bad decisions, but he always believed in himself. And he was this guy who then went off to uh, solitude in Provincetown on the tip of Cape Cod. And that's how he prepared for fights. And it was, it was uh, primordial. Um, it, w- it, was, it was absolutely visceral in terms of the, the, the experience of Cape Cod in the winter, in the depths of winter, along that long beach, uh, even uh, snow coming down, ice uh, <laughs> along, along the sand, it didn't matter. Marvin Hagler would be there like a ghost. And, and, and it was like he stopped uh, uh, the whole terrain, the whole domain that he was in in terms of that middleweight division. So no wonder Sugar Ray Leonard might have had some apprehension about getting into the ring with Marvin. Uh, and I think we underestimate the gap at times between welterweight and middleweight. It's, it's 13 pounds. It's not negligible. Um, and I think that Ray felt he had to grow into uh, the middleweight division and in that five-year hiatus. Uh, you're right. It was three, but I, I, I suggest five because he just wasn't Sugar Ray Leonard that night against Kevin Hart. Right. Um, but um, you know, I think that in those five years, he he felt he grew into a middleweight's body, and I think that was an, I think that was significant for Ray. Uh, it was it was really important that he that he stepped into the ring as a bona fide middleweight, and if, I think he felt he did that that night in 1987.
0: Mm -mm. I love Brian Dugan. I love the accent. Again, accents make all of this go around. We have different uh, (laughs) people from different parts of the country and different parts of the globe. I know you crack up because I've got like the half southern accent living in Florida. (laughs) Uh, You've got the Northern Irish accent going. I love the insight, uh, though, that you're giving. And again, the book is called The Super Fight. We're on the 34th anniversary week of Sugar Ray Leonard Marvin Hagler. And again, we can't convey I cannot convey enough how big a deal this was in terms of a non heavyweight fight, and the build up to it. Um, it's arguably one of maybe the two or three in the last 50 years most prominent non heavyweight fights ever because of the buildup. And I know that kind of gets lost on, you know, M- Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather fought uh, five years ago. That was a big deal, or Oscar de la Hoya fighting Floyd Mayweather, et cetera, and a couple of other ones that were non heavyweight fights. But this was the biggest of big deals um when it took place and that's why brian has written the book about it has such great insight okay here comes the fun stuff there's always debate about who really won this thing i i even in my bio on the big fight weekend website say that i will take anybody on in the bio i say this brian i will take anybody on that says marvin Hagler beat sugar ray leonard i believe when you go back and watch that and i've seen it numerous times in full leonard won the fight in the first five or six rounds of the fight because he banked probably four or five, easily four, if not five, of the first six rounds. Uh, To wit, the legendary trainer and commentator Gil Clancy on one of the uh, calls says, I don't know what Marvin is doing because Ray is banking round after round here if this is going to go to a decision or not. That is what I believe. Brian, you wrote the book. Give me your thoughts on how it laid out here, Uh, Leonard and Hagler and the great debate about who really won.
1: This is why, 34 years later, TJ, we can engage in such an engaging conversation about a fight that happened so long ago, because 100 years from now, um, maybe not quite that long, but certainly long into the distance, people will debate uh, this fight, because it it polarised everybody. Uh, You know, Ali and Fraser, of course, in the 70s, that was something else altogether, their rivalry. But you could make the case that Hagler-Leonard was... As provocative and polarising in its own way, um, you know, in terms of those uh, first several rounds, absolutely spot on what you pointed out. Um, Marvin Hagler, he gave away rounds. Now, people would argue with you in terms of you saying the first four and and five of the first six, but look, you can you can absolutely make the case, but but Marvin Hagler fans would 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 debate that point with you. Um, but there's no question that Marvin. Uh, I think Ray did the ultimate psych job on Marvin Hagner. he uh, he got into Marvin's mind he made Marvin actually uh, believe that by outboxing Ray he would actually gain more kudos than simply by tearing his head off <laughs> and I think that uh, and I think that that's why Marvin was you know a little bit different in his approach to the fight with Ray than he had been for example in the fight with Tommy Hearns and, and I think that helped Ray incredibly. Uh, had Marvin waged war, as he had done with Tommy Hearns, I think that might have been very difficult for Ray Leonard. But Ray absolutely pulled off a masterstroke uh, in terms of how he boxed and how he had manipulated his body into a, into a, into a way whereby he was able to go the 12-round distance Uh, very well and sustain it uh, through the fight he did taper off over the second half of the fight which you might imagine he would and Marvin came on strong and in terms of the decision it will always be debated and certainly with a with a guy called Jojo Guerra submitting a a scorecard of 118 110 I mean Bob Arum said he had filled in that scorecard before the first bell rang and maybe maybe you you might be able to even appreciate that as a Sugar Ray Leonard fan
0: (laughs) Well, and yeah, we, we've we seen even in recent times here, questionable cards. What is that judge watching? And I would agree that 10-2, 10 rounds to two, no, not on, not on that. But um, one of the things that Ray did tactically, and you mentioned Ali earlier uh, several times in our conversation, he took a page from Ali, which Ali later in his career would fight the last 30 seconds very feverishly, uh, very actively, uh, step up his game, he would He would almost know, clock in his head, et cetera, finish this round strong to impress the judges, the last impression, if you will, uh, Brian. Um, I, I think he may have won three or four of the rounds by outfighting Marvin in the last 15, 20 seconds of the round as the last impression. Do you buy that? Do you go along with that in this controversy of who won the fight?
1: No, I agree with you. That's precisely what Ray Uh, laid it out he told Barry Tompkins about six months prior to the fight that the way to beat Marvin Hagler was to win the first 15 seconds the middle 15 seconds and the final 15 seconds of every round and I think you're absolutely right that's how he approached it now Marvin was the methodical guy the guy who you know he would mow you down Uh, he would keep after you and that's how he thought he was going to do it. But I think there was a little bit of arrogance that night in Marvin. I don't think that Marvin, Marvin actually had reached a stage in his career, TJ, which I explore in depth in the book. And this is where Ray got him. Uh, Marvin, previous to the Mugabe fight, had actually confided in Ray that he felt uh, he was done with boxing. He got cut more easily. He got injured more easily. He didn't have the appetite anymore. And Ray knew well, Marvin, Marvin wants to retire. And of course, what, they, what Ray then saw the night that Marvin waged another war with John the Beast Mugabe, after the Hearns War, uh, what Ray saw was a guy who was on the slide and he knew, bang, now I can get him and I'm going to issue my challenge. Of course, Marvin didn't really want to box anymore. And so all of this is explored in the book. And it's really interesting because... I had forgotten a lot of it myself and no doubt uh, other people have. So, uh, um, so it's really interesting. And, and I, I just think that, uh, that Marvin was, was undone a little bit uh, by his own arrogance. I think he felt that at a certain point in the fight, he would just come on strong and Ray Leonard would fold. And of course, it that's what it, that's it looked like. It looked like it might happen in the ninth round, but right. Ray Leonard fought out of the corner. And this is where, you know, you, you, Ray Leonard was Ali in that sense, a fantastic boxer. But listen, uh, Mike Tyson always said about uh, Ray Leonard, if you think he's just a pretty face, forget about it. He's a pit bull with a pretty face. And, you know, I think that that stands, you know, Marvin Hagler, of course, he was the monster, but there was a monster in Ray Leonard as well.
0: He had to be that night, and I didn't mean to fully interrupt, but I just got excited that Hagler broke everybody he fought. He broke Hearns. You mentioned the Mugabe fight, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago on this podcast because Marquise Johns, my senior writer who's on this podcast with me, we're both based in this area. We remember the Beast in Tampa and how great he was, and then he burst on the national scene, and that was a war. Mugabe took every big punch from Hagler round after round, including an epic sixth round where he took every big punch from Marvin Hagler and fought back Uh, and those fights maybe did take something out of out of Hagler but even Hagler broke Mugabe he broke the beast that night he could not break Ray Leonard in the end and isn't that the biggest surprising thing is that Leonard was still fresh enough was still uh, summoning enough enough stamina that Hagler didn't get him in the ninth, the 10th the 11th round when he had gotten so many others what about that point Brian real quick
1: no, it's a really good point. And even then, when you fast forward into the 12th round, uh, you know, he's not able; he's not even able to catch him up then. And Ray Leonard does the alley shuffle. He, yep. uh, he, he throws his fist in the air. He says he's won the fight. And, you know, it looked like at the end of it that he had prevailed. But a but, uh, very quick point, TJ. Um, uh, an old boxing writer, an old sports writer, um, once said that, uh, you know, in a fight you only see one guy. So in other words, if you're a guy who likes the, the fighter, that's the guy you'll see and that's what you'll see is happening in the ring. But if you're like a boxing guy, you'll look at the boxer and you'll think he won. And I think that's why there's such a disparity in terms of the decision and what fans think it's about. a
0: great point brian dugan makes a great point because i say this all the time about life on anything that's subjective whether we're talking about politics and what we like or what we don't like whether we're talking about food brian and what we like and don't like i mean 90 percent of the stuff that i eat in florida you would probably not touch in in northern ireland and in the uk and probably 90 percent of what you eat i wouldn't touch what we like and what we don't like from sports from clothes we bring our biases to everything don't we so if you love the maul- the mauling style of Marvin Hagler, the bruising style, wearing you down, of course you loved him that night because he was Marvin Hagler uh, again. But if you love the showman, the boxer, the flash, and I did, of Ray Leonard as a little kid, I, I joked, you were saying earlier um, about... Uh, the way that Marvin chose to fight Ray and chose to be the boxer and not the brawler. It's ironic that that was the opposite for Ray because when he fought Roberto Duran, the first time, as you know, he chose to be the brawler and stand in front of Duran and prove I can brawl with him and I can beat him in his style. And it backfired. It didn't work. And I'm a 10 year old TJ crushed, crushed Brian, that Ray Leonard has lost. Somebody's got to help me accept that sugar Ray has lost. But that's how he lost. And that's how hard I took this back in my youth. But I was so exuberant that he had beaten Marvin Hagler years later the same way. But I agree completely with you as I ramble on. We bring our biases to everything, including to what you like or don't like in judging fights.
1: Yes. So, Lou, you mentioned food, TJ. I'm Irish. I'll eat anything. <laughs> <laughs> so Florida food, I have, I'd have no, no issue with that whatsoever. But you bring up the Roberto Duran fight, the brawl in Montreal. Uh, Colin Hart, a long-time colleague of me, of mine, uh, on the Sun newspaper in England. Um, he was ringside at Ali Fraser, uh, the first and third installments. He was ringside at Ali Foreman. He was ringside at Hagler Leonard. The best fight he felt he was ever at ringside for was Leonard Duran one. And if you're a Sugar Ray wow. Leonard fan, the way that Ray Leonard fought, uh, lost the fight that night, you could come out and still feel vindicated in your following of sugar in because he proved himself all the way down a true fighter that night roberto duran you can make the case may have been the best pound for pound fighter who ever lived that's the truth that's how great roberto duran was i think people forget long before the 80s and when he was part of the the fabulous four if you like or the four kings whatever you want to refer to them roberto duran had been the lightweight champion throughout the whole of the 70s, virtually. correct. And he he was the best lightweight who ever lived, no question. And he went into these fights in the 80s, and he prevailed over over Sugar Ray Leonard. I mean, it's it's astonishing. I think he had
0: won like close to 80 fights and something like 15, 17 world championship fights before he beat Leonard that night, to your point about how great he was before that night in 1980.
1: Absolutely spot on. And uh, Roberta Duran, for Ray Leonard to stand toe to toe with that man for 15 rounds and produce the kind of fight that it was, that said as much about Ray Leonard as you could ever, uh, as all of the victories of Ray Leonard's career could tell you about him. He was a fighter deep down.
0: Love it. A few more minutes. Brian Dugan, gracious to be with me. Okay. A couple more about the book. How long did you spend working on the book? I'm always curious about this because these become passions. They become almost part of your life and your existence. But for how long for you, did you work on the super fight book about Leonard Hagler, the fight in
1: 1987? Well, uh, like you TJ, I, I I'm, I'm not, uh, too far younger than you. <laughs> so uh, for your uh, brawl in Montreal, Hagler Leonard was probably my uh, version of that in a way. Uh, so I was a school kid in, uh, in a small town, uh, Enniskillen in Northern Ireland. Um, and I was just captivated by this uh, you know, spectacle that was taking place, place far away in Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas with these neon lights It was a, it was a, an entirely different world to what I grew up in. And I was just spellbound. And, uh, and so I guess I I can make the, I can say that it it was a 30, 30 year odyssey almost. Uh, I, I was privileged enough during the course of my journalism career to spend quite a bit of time with both Ray and Marvin, um, got to know them quite well. Um, and, uh, so all of that went into the making of the, book. the actual writing of the book. I did it quite quickly. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I spent a lot of years absorbing it all and, uh, and actually spending time with the guys and the guys who were around them.
0: Love that. Um, all right. And this is the unfortunate part. I hate that we have to bring this up. We we've lost Marvin Hagler here over the course of the last month at the time that we're taping this. Um, I, I found it, Um, uh, touching and at the same time very real because I believe Ray Leonard when he says this if I could give Marvin Hagler the decision to have him back here I would give the win back that's essentially paraphrasing what he said upon Hagler's death we're not supposed to lose our legends are we Brian we're not supposed to lose the heroes and yet we lost marvelous Marvin Hagler at the age of 66 too young as far as I'm concerned so Unfortunately, uh, our memories are only going to have to be our memories uh, of this with Marvin. But what do you want to say? I mean, he's passed away, still a legend. Uh, it's just sad that we're, re- we're remarking on anniversaries because next week at the time we're taping is the anniversary of the epic fight with Hearns. And Marvin is no longer here, Brian.
1: It's, it's really sad. And I think the shock was that it was just so sudden as well, TJ. And Marvin Hagler was uh, a guy, I mean, he was almost hewn out of rock. Um, and, and you felt there was a rock-like quality about him. Um, and I suppose this is maybe an earlier generation, what they might have felt about Rocky Marciano being taken away so suddenly, you know, the, the rock. Um, but uh, but Marvin was, you know, he was cut from the same uh, kind of stone. Um, and I think that's why it's very difficult to rationalise um, that he has been removed from the landscape just like that. Um and, it, uh, you know, in terms of that fight with, with Tommy Aarons, I mean, I can't say enough. Of, it was it was it was almost like a volcano erupted in the ring and mm-hmm. everyone was just was just transfixed on this. Uh, I, you know, I, I mentioned earlier about Harry Mullen, uh, another colleague and friend of mine, Nick Pitt. He actually thought that something had happened to the timekeeper because I mean, this this first round has been la- it's gone on now seven minutes. What's happened to the timekeeper? And he felt like he he should look to see what has happened to the timekeeper, but he couldn't take his eyes off the action. And So yeah. you know, it was it what was a incredible great story. really that fight with with, with Tommy Harris. Well, but, And
0: along those lines, I mean, you go back and we're gonna do this when we reminisce because it's only three rounds, but that first round is so epic. And there's two different calls. And you were on Al Bernstein's unplugged podcast, another uh plug for uh for something else that you've been on. Al does a fantastic job. Love him even now, 35, 40 years later on the commentary al's on the call that night with the other al the legendary al michaels the broadcaster and al michaels even exclaims in the middle of that first round how long can they keep this up not very long He answers his own question not very long at this pace Barry Tompkins was on the HBO replay call and he reminds himself and everybody, this is still the first round. That is all of us, Brian, about the first round of Hagler and Hearns that you get like a minute deep and a minute and a half deep. And you realize this is still only the first round of the fight is the whole point about that one coming up.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned Uh, Great commentators there. I think Barry at the end of the round said, you might've just watched the best even round ever in boxing. Um, And Al Bernstein called it immediately. He said it was the best round in middleweight history. And, uh, and, and those are, you know, epic kind of moments, uh, you know, for guys like ourselves who are, who, you know, we're just so enthralled of this unbelievable sport that we, uh, you know, have have had this long fascination with um, boxing. You can you can make the case that you know it's 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 not really a, a sport for a for a civilized society, and you know you can make a strong argument in, in in terms of that. But that doesn't diminish the fascination that we have for it, and the courage that these guys demonstrate. That's why we're drawn to it. It's unbelievable courage, and I think that those two fights, Hagler-Hearn's, and also Leonard-Hagler in terms of what Leonard was confronting that night. He was taking on the man who had stepped up to that mountaintop top and, and destroyed Tommy Hearns that night. And the courage, therefore, that these guys all exhibit when they climb into the ring, we shouldn't take that for granted. We're privileged to witness.
0: No doubt, um, and there's so many subplots. Get the book. The Super Fight is the name of the book. Plug away. It's available on Amazon. Obviously, there are, there's a lot of audience listening in the United States. Amazon is the best way to get it. Uh, can they get it online any, any other way? Plug away, Brian, on how they get your book if they want to read more about what they've been hearing.
1: Yeah, look, uh, Amazon, uh, bookshop.org. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's available on the website, brianduganmedia.com. Uh, um so uh I, I really appreciate TJ you, you uh, giving me this opportunity but more I appreciate the the fact that you know your boxing and you know your sport and and <laughs> and, and and listen we could have a a Fantastic conversation. I know you're a big Bucks fan and everything. Uh, <sighs> my, my first Super Bowl, the Bucks, the Bucks prevailed. So I'm surprised you haven't uh, brought that up during the uh, course hey, of the conversation. We are doing
0: this interview right now. And Brian knows <laughs> this, that over my shoulder on the video and people can't see us while we're doing the audio podcast and there's only video clips. But you're seeing a Buccaneers Super Bowl hat over my shoulder right now, Brian. So, you know, I'm that through and through. He's, uh, he's a little more Americanized than what I realized even when this conversation began because he knows the Super Bowl and he likes like Florida seafood and other things, uh, Brian. And Brian has also written the autobiography of Joe Calzaghe, right? As well as other books and covered the sport for many, many years. So we encourage you again to find his site, Brian Dugan, spell it B-R-I-A-N Dugan, D-O-O-G-A-N, brianduganmedia.com to find out more. The book again is called The Super Fight, Leonard Hagler. Find that anywhere online amazon uh what did you say book bookstop.org find the book get the book uh a, a fantastic stuff about how big a deal this fight was i mean again one more time marvin Hagler got 10 million guaranteed brian help me with my figures marvin got 10 million guaranteed which in the present day economy is probably 30 million guaranteed with the inflation and the money leonard got like six or seven million guaranteed that didn't happen if you weren't heavyweights we can't convey that enough. That's how big a deal this was. That's why you wrote the book about how big a deal this
1: was. TJ, this was billed as the first $100 million fight. Uh, it didn't quite reach that far, but you're right in your figures. It was, uh, it was enormous. It was actually uh, uh, something that didn't happen outside of the heavyweight division. They, you know, tore down the uh, the rule book, as far as that was concerned, the two of them, because they were just so good. And 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 this was, if you like, a golden era. Uh, this was a glorious era for the middleweights. And this was the centerpiece fight. This was the showpiece event. Amen. And
0: again, as a Sugar Ray Leonard fan, I'm still happy to this day. He got his hand raised once and for all. And, and the amazing thing, we keep saying this, Marvin Hagler never fought again. Leonard fought on and fought what, four or five more times fought Duran a third time, fought Hearns a second time, more controversial judging. What a surprise, Brian. They had a draw in 1990 <laughs> uh, a few years after this fight with, with uh, Marvin Hagler. Leonard, Leonard fought on. Uh, Hagler never fought again. So many subplots out of this fight. I love it. If you can't tell, Brian and I have been going on and on, and we could go for like an hour more, but I, I got to get out of here. He's got to get out of here as well go get the book the super fight brian dugan thank you for reaching out to us and knocking on the door on the big fight weekend a website and podcast it was my pleasure to have you good luck with the book and you did so well we've got to have you back later on at some point down the line but good luck with the book and the continued success of the super fight thank you for hanging with me here on the big fight weekend podcast
1: thanks very much tj i'd love to get back on with you and we'll talk uh, we'll talk box next <laughs>
0: But first, we're brought to you by our friends at WinBet, bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, sports, and games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today. You'll receive a special offer for up to $500 risk-free on a sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. And download the app today. Again, that's wynnbet.com. And we're brought to you in part by Better Than.Vegas. It's like YouTube, but for what DJs only care about, sports betting. Better Than.Vegas is running a free bracket-style capper contest with a chance to win $5,500. Just go to Better and don't forget to let them know that SGP sent you. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV also and subscribe to the Better Than Vegas, Better Than Dot Vegas page. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV for Better Than Dot Vegas. And let's tell you about our friends at PicksWise with a team of trend-watching, data-devouring sports fanatic wise guys. They are there to give you the who, the how, and the why behind every pick on every game, every day, in every sport, and all of it is for free. NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, the Masters even for this weekend, they've got you covered with free analysis and, more importantly, free picks. Plus, they've got great betting news that you need and expert best bets as well. Go to PicksWise.com for all the picks you need. That's PicksWise.com and we're brought to you in part by Odds Crowd and hopefully you entered the Odds Crowd March Madness contest for your chance to win $8,000 as Odds Crowd has plenty of free contests including a $500 weekly contest and a $2,000 season long MLB contest and Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contest it's a social app built just for sports bettors. It's free to download. You can live group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private betting contests and more with your buddies. Just download the app for free. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds to find out more about Odds Crowd. And we want you to take part in the SGP Masters Contest $500 Winner Take All DFS Contest going on right now. For the Masters, completely free, easy to sign up and win. Take a screenshot of your review of the Golf Gambling Podcast and submit that review and you get a contest link to enter. Do all of this through sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash masters. Again, find out more about the $500 Masters Winner Take All DFS Contest through the Sports Gambling Podcast. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash masters for more.
1: We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, DJ Reeves.
0: Indeed, we are back in here on the only boxing podcast you need to give you everything that's happening in the sport. But not only that, previews for the weekend, even the gambling perspective for our friends of the Sports Gambling Podcast, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. As we rock on here on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast, here he is back with me, senior writer, bigfightweekend.com, Marquise Johns, ready for another weekend of fights that includes, again, bouts from Vegas uh, to the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut on Showtime to the Matchroom Boxing Show in London. I know you're ready to go, Marquise. Good to have you once again.
2: Absolutely, TJ. Boxing back in full swing once again. we got a full slate of cards all over the place this weekend.
0: And what about uh, we got before we get to Jamel Hearing and Carl Frampton last week in the previews this weekend? What about Brian Dugan, our guest that we just had on, the author of the book "The Superfight: Leonard and Hagler"? That anniversary was 34 years ago with the legendary Sugar Ray Leonard, the legendary now late Marvin Hagler. That still takes some getting used to to say that that Marvin is no longer with us after suddenly dying in March uh, at the age of 66. But what an anniversary! what a book okay I said my piece Brian talked a bunch you uh, we, we posted an article on big Fight weekend again uh, on the anniversary of this you have the floor which side are you on on Leonard winning or Hagler winning as as uh, as Brian put it there is no middle ground there is no maybe one guy wanted either you are staunch for Leonard you're staunch for Hagler where do you come now Marquise?
2: TJ I've looked at the fight all this week and I had to watch it back twice to make sure about this. I'm still on team. Hagler won this fight over and over again. I think when the very first podcast we did together, I mentioned to you that Hagler beat Leonard. And I haven't gotten off that ledge yet. And the one reason why, TJ, and people always throw at me, well, what about the first four rounds, Marquise? I understand that. What about the other eight that Hagler may have won decisively? And that's where we are with this. And it's so funny, TJ, because it's one of those fights, TJ, at the end of the day, in terms of uh, judging, we always have, you know, complain about horrible scorecards. Right. Can- Canelo Triple G is a good one, the very first one. That's always, that always comes to mind. But with this one, it, 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 there's no gray area on this. For, for me personally, I thought they got it wrong, but here we are still literally 34. Well,
0: it's funny. I, th- I thought you were going, and Brian brought this up. The Mexican judge, Jojo Guerra, who never, I think, worked another world championship fight, scored the fight. 118 110 for Leonard 10 to 2. Uh, Brian's line from Bob Aram was that Gara filled out his scorecard before the fight began, uh, as a fanboy essentially of Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, so that was a ridiculous card, but it's interesting that in the retrospective article that I did, uh, for Big Fight Weekend that the ringside observers were even split on this. For example, Al Bernstein, who we love, he was not on the call that night, either the pay-per-view call or the uh, the call of HBO on the replay with Barry Tompkins and Larry Merchant, uh, but Al, Al scored it for Marvin Hagler, 115-113, seven rounds to five. How would Cosell, who did many a Sugar Ray Leonard fight in the day, scored it for Leonard? The Associated Press and their reporter scored the fight for Hagler, but Harold Letterman, the unofficial HBO judge, scored it for Sugar Ray Leonard. So it's it's divided. It's one of the great debatable fights. There is no doubt it's a fight we're talking about 35 years later. And I think we'll probably be talking about this for at least another decade or more when the anniversary comes around, maybe longer, because of how great Leonard and Hagler were. Give me some more, Marquise, on this.
2: Yep. Absolutely, TJ. And it's so funny that everyone is still divided after all this. You, you would think boxing scorecards would bring everybody together after all these years. And still to this day, it is still half those McCoys on if you have it between Leonard or Hagler. And my thing still to this day, TJ, where I think it was is that I really think Hagler's adjustment in the second half of this fight was the difference in it where a lot of folks will say that Leonard I'm just going to
0: counterpunch over. you. I'm counterpunching he you. He lost too many rounds at the beginning of the fight. And I was saying that to Brian Dugan to catch up and to get to seven rounds victorious, because I can, I can point to in the last eight rounds, three or four rounds that Ray Leonard won. And, and if you bank the first three or four, I'm not a math major now from the former Memphis State, but if you bank the first three or four, you only have to win three to win the fight if there's no knockdowns, no 10-8 rounds uh, at the end. And what do, you, what do you make of the point that Leonard lasted into the 10th round, the 11th round, Where Marvin Hagler broke so many other fighters late in fights, including John the Beast Mugabe. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. He wore and brutalized Mugabe, wore him down, brutalized him. He broke fighter after fighter, with the exception of Duran, who went the distance. In his other 11 title defenses, he knocked out or stopped everybody else. He couldn't break Sugar Ray Leonard. Leonard was still fresh. With the extra weight on him, Leonard was still able to fire back. Leonard was still able to take his punches in the uh, the 10th round, the 11th round, the 12th round. What do you make of that, Marquise?
2: I just It, it just shows the, the, the fact that Leonard has one of the most durable durable chins of all time, it, especially, when, especially when taking on Hagler, where he was able to withstand all of that. It, but to counterpoint you with that, TJ, he got past Hagler with that durability. His later fights against Roberto Duran, and uh, most obviously everyone went to Terry Norris, it showed that... Had that fight taken place a little later, it would have been a different result.
0: Yeah, and he he also fought Thomas Hearns, and you talk about getting ripped off by the judges again, as we mentioned with Brian Dugan, the author of the book. He rematches Hearns uh, some nine years after they fought the first time in September of 81. They fought again in 1990, and Hearns knocked Leonard down. Hearns won that fight, and they still didn't give it to him. One judge gave it to Leonard, and the other judge scored it a draw. So again, bogus bad scoring has been there uh, forever, but uh 118 110 made no sense in leonard Oof. versus Hagler. again we encourage you to get the book the super fight as we just talked a bunch about it and we'll have brian dugan back on the podcast um, at a later date all right great stuff we love the nostalgia we also love the present and in the present jamel herring victorious over carl frampton all the way in dubai and the united arab Emirates. they went all the way there they had this long delayed fight finally last weekend and herring was just better herring overpowered him herring got the knockout got a knockdown and then got a stoppage signature win for him right now in his career beating the former two division world champ we previewed a bunch we previewed it a bunch marquise give me some more on jamel herring's huge win his third title defense
2: Big statement win for Jamel Herring, TJ. And what he did against Frampton was a systematic breakdown of a man who was already one foot out the door. And that first knockdown in the fifth round, you could see when Frampton got up where I'm shocked they even let it go to a sixth round, TJ, where you can kind of see that this was – the writing was on the wall in that fight once that happened. Then the sixth round happened. He got hit with a vicious uppercut. His towel, his team in the towel finally came in. And it was funny, TJ, because he the, the towel was thrown in, and you can see Carl Frampton looking like, you know what? Why didn't you throw this earlier? So <laughs> it, 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 it was good to see that he he's going out on this on his shield, more importantly. And he, he ends on a high note on his and for Frampton, a great career. But for Herring, TJ, this is the name that you need to put on your resume to get the, the bigger names and bigger fights. And Carl Frampton is that guy. So I'm looking forward to seeing where Herring goes from here, but this was definitely a good win for him. And, and I didn't think TJ he was going to get the stoppage. I was on here with you last week thinking, all right. These guys are going, to, you know, box around a little bit because that's All just these right. guys' we both, style. We both did.
0: We both thought late rounds are a decision, but Herring just overpowered him. Whether whether Frampton uh, sapped by Father Time, etc. We even wondered because Frampton came uh, to the UAE like two weeks in advance, and as you mentioned, some of that had to do maybe with COVID nineteen guidelines and travel. Herring only came like six days in advance on Sunday prior to the last Saturday's fight. And he showed no ill effects from that whatsoever, and put it on Jamel Herring. And what is it with the with like the left uppercut? Everybody's throwing the left <laughs> uppercut now. I mean, uh, Pavetkin did it first. Last August to Dillian White, Gervonta Davis with the all-time classic left uppercut on Leo yeah. Santa Cruz. I saw Tim Zoo land a wicked left uppercut oh. in Australia on Dennis Hogan. And now our man Jamel Herring Semper Fi with the left uppercut on Carl Frampton.
2: Absolutely, TJ. And I'm going to update my, my Twitter handle because uh, these liver shippers aren't coming in like they used to like a couple of years back. I'm made to replace it with the uppercut category now because these uppercuts <laughs> are impressive. And what it is, TJ, is is the fact that when you get landed with it and their head rocks that upwards or about to either be lifted out of their boxing shoes or off the ground, is it's just a great sight.
0: Yeah, well, and the uppercut has become a weapon of choice for a lot of different guys. All right, for Herring, I wrote about this this week. He's made no pretense... He is not as interested. He is interested, but not as interested in Shakur Stevenson, which would theoretically be his next fight, his mandatory WBO challenger. He instead is saying the name WBC champion Oscar Valdez, Valdez most recently dethroning Miguel Burchelt uh, in a slugfest, Uh, Valdez undefeated WBC champ. Um. All right. Top rank controls all of the all the pieces of the board here with Herring, Stevenson, Valdez. Herring makes it clear. I want Oscar Valdez. How realistic is that? Do you believe Marquise Johns?
2: I think it's very realistic, TJ. And the one thing that well, I thought was interesting when Herring mentioned that he wants Valdez is that I think people are forgetting with the, the uh, whole uh, sanctioning bodies and belts. At the end of the day, uh, Herrings is looking to get as much money as possible. And I think he knows a lot better that he can get a possibly a bigger payday out of uh, Valdez defending his WBC belt on that side of the fence, as opposed to this uh, WBO mandatory defense, which is already a controlled by, uh, the WBO B top rank and C that's where the money is coming from. So you follow the money, TJ. The bigger money is obviously going to be with Oscar Valdez, which means TJ for uh, Shakira Stevenson, he gets a chance to pick up his second vacant belt in a row for the WBO against uh, Ghana's own uh, Jeremiah uh, Nakilta, who's also been waiting, by the way, TJ, for about two years. So that's another thing, too, as well, where the WBO was going to force this mandatory on hearing. He has 30 days to give up this belt, which he's had for almost two years. Expect him to give it before that happens,
0: okay. We'll see what Jamal hearing does one more before we get to the fights of this weekend. Some predictions. We'll go over the odds again for our friends at sportsgamblingpodcast.com on the big fight weekend podcast. The clock remains ticking tick, 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 Anthony, Joshua, Tyson, Fury. Here's the key is that apparently in the agreement, whatever they signed, there was a window of 30 days. It's believed where they had to come up with what's the date, What's the site? And most importantly, how are we paying for all of this with the mega money that the Unified champ Joshua and the WBC champ Tyson Fury both want? I know that on Thursday in the press, in the press conference and in the, in the press gathering uh, for the Matchroom Boxing Show Saturday night in London, Eddie Hearn reiterated, what else is he going to say? They're working on it. They're working on the site, the date. He even suggested it may be in July at the Wembley Arena. Uh, again, uh, pigs could fly to the moon and back as well. They can't have the fight on lockdown in the UK with no fans and have it make any money. They're trying to figure out where they can have it. Marquise, we're getting closer to where Tyson Fury and his camp, who've already fired the warning shot that they will walk away, that they may walk away from this. And Fury's going to fight somebody probably in June, maybe as soon as late May, because he's been inactive since last February. What do you make of it, Marquis? Straighten me out.
2: I will see that, And, I, and he, T, Tyson Fury has to fight somebody. And that clock is ticking, TJ. And you know why it's ticking? Because Ajit Cabello and May Junes is next to challenging opponent. It, it's funny hearing Eddie Hearn, TJ. But look, to, to his defense, what is he going to say? He has to you know, support his guy, Anthony Joshua, and, and the fight and the big venue and the big event in Saudi Arabia and all the money and all, all that fun stuff. Tyson Fury's dad, John, over the past weekend said that this fight's not happening and there's no money involved. So until any of this happens, for a fight TJ that was agreed on in principle, I'm using my air quotes here, they seem pretty far away from this fight actually happening. So I'm willing to keep this thing moving, and we're going to see Tyson Fury face the bestie WBC heavyweight division, bottom of the barrel has the offer, and we'll just go from there.
0: Again, uh, Yell is a guy that Fury was looking to fight in December. That still hasn't happened. It's now April and I totally get it because, again, Joshua at least fought in December, so he has been active uh, a year to year, Twenty December 2019, December 2020. Tyson Fury right now at 14 months and counting. And I get from their point of view, why are we going to sit here, April turns to May, May turns to June, we don't have a date, we don't have a fight, when we can fight somebody, make it happen – And let's see what does happen with Joshua and Fury. We'll keep an eye on the countdown clock, which beyond about next week, next weekend, that's when Tyson Fury and company can throw their hands up. Let's see uh, with uh, Frank Warren and Queensberry, Bob Arum in top rank. Does Tyson Fury end up back in the United States fighting where you can have fans against Caballel or somebody else, even if it's not Deontay Wilder and it won't be on that short of notice does he end up fighting again in Las Vegas where they're going to try to have fans or fight in Texas or Florida or somewhere where you can have some fans. Let's see um, let's see what happens on that. All right, let's get to the fights for this weekend. Speaking of the Matchroom show, that is Conor Benn, the the son of the Dark Destroyer Nigel Benn, the great fighter of the 1990s in the super middleweight. Uh, or the uh, super welterweight and middleweight divisions, a former two division world champ, Nigel Benn. This is his son, Connor Benn, unbeaten, on the rise, fighting a veteran in Sammy Vargas. That's the headlining fight. Give me more on the matchroom uh, fight card and that main event here, Marquise, in the preview mode.
2: Uh, yes, DJ. Uh, Connor Benn's been making a, a welterweight prospect uh, in the, the uh, matchroom stable of things, undefeated, as you mentioned before, son of uh, a former champion Nigel Benn, uh, taking on a uh, veteran, Samuel Vargas, which. Is this a fight to keep him busy, TJ? I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with this afterwards. I think Sammy Vargas has nothing to bring to the table on this, but the fight after for Conor ben that they were hinting at and all the press media clippings and the conversations, was a choice of your choice, TJ: Amir Khan or Kell Brook. Which means they're finally stepping up <laughs> Conor Ben to actual competition where he's not facing the Sammy Vargas's and the Sebastian Formellas of the world. So I'm I'm looking forward to that end of it. But on TJ, but let's let's be honest, that fight is what it is. The, the finest card, Tito, that we need to talk about is the is on this undercard between these two women, between Shannon Courtnier and Ebony Bridges. Anybody who's been following Ebony Bridges, and I'm sure a lot of you guys who are listening probably are on Instagram, <laughs> uh, has been making a lot of noise on how she's going to knock Shannon out. Uh, she's going to do this. He's going to make a name for herself. Uh, uh, Shannon, on the other hand, has been looking forward to this fight. It's pretty much to shut Ebony up. It's actually, TJ, this, this is one of the few fights where these women have actually went out and sold this fight for me a little bit. So I'm looking forward to that. And it's for a You vacant. said to
0: me before, repeated here, that it's the most interesting fight because of the trash talking. Uh, the fact that Ebony Bridges is believed by many to be a total fraud uh, in terms of in the ring skill. Um, She is someone that previously was a ring card girl, a lingerie model, but is now turned in uh, to being a fighter. uh, Let's say very much surgically enhanced, uh, which is which is uncommon for a women's fighter. Um, uh, Again, Courtney has basically um, called her out and said she's a fraud. She's not a legitimate big time fighter and she's going to expose her and knock her out. This, this might have more sizzle and intrigue, might it, than the Ben Vargas main event. Hear what happens in the co-feature with the Women's World Bantamweight vacant title fight.
2: Absolutely, TJ. And I think it will only for the simple reason we're trying to figure out because no one really knows what version of Ebony Bridges we're going to see because no one's really seen this woman. She's only had like six fights and two of those fights have been in Australia. So this will be the first time on on a she fought as
0: recently as like four or five weeks ago. As a matter of fact, she's been active and now she's fighting here again.
2: She is, yeah. She was on. Uh, she fought like four weeks ago, but that was like an Australia closer. It's one of those. If you, if you found her fight, you'd be repaid for it, or you paid dearly for it. But nonetheless, <laughs> the rest of us get to see it uh, on like on a global scale this Saturday, and I really think TJ, this fight's gonna steal the show. Hopefully, we'll get some boxing out of it, and I think we miss May because Courtney is on a revenge tour because she, depending on who you talk to, supposedly didn't lose against Rachel Ball, and I, I think I thought she did. So she's on a rebound for that loss, and we'll see who happens.
0: All right, and again, for the odds, while we're here, Ben is an overwhelming favorite, right, on the odds that we're looking at for Sports Gambling Podcast. That's not the intriguing one, no. right? I mean, what is, what is Ben? Ben is like something like uh, uh, Connor Ben for the main event is a minus 1,200 favorite over Sammy Vargas. Yeah. But interestingly, that in the Bridges Courtney Women's World Bantamweight title fight, Shannon Courtney 800 as the favorite, Ebony Bridges may get some action because of all the Instagram photos and the lingerie uh, ads and whatever. She's plus 450 as the underdog in this fight scheduled for 10 two-minute rounds. So we throw the odds out for those two fights. I didn't hear you take the underdog in either one of those or take the favorite in either one of those, Marquise. Doesn't Uh, seem to be much, huh?
2: Uh, on those two fights, TJ, take, the, uh, take Connor Ben and bet your house on that one. That's all but a done deal. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but you know what's funny, TJ? I really think Courtney is going to sneak this out only because Ebony Bridges is that much of an unknown where it's like if, if there was more tape on her, that number would probably be a little more skewed. But since there isn't, that's why everyone with the actual established Courtney, who's, who's at least have like four fight tapes at least.
0: All right. Showtime PBC card while we run through these on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, preview them and then get out of here. Jerron Boots Ennis. I know Marquise John's a big fan of Boots out of Philadelphia, 26 and 0. Uh, He is headlining PBC on Showtime, premier boxing champion. Showtime has it in the U.S. Saturday night, late night in the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut in their bubble. Uh, Ennis, 26-0, facing former junior welterweight world champion. He won a vacant title in one fight and then lost to Mikey Garcia in the next fight. Sergey Lipinets, this is a welterweight contender, 12-rounder. Give me a little bit real quick on Boots Ennis, who is the feature fight.
2: Fun fight, TJ, on on Showtime uh, Saturday night. That Boots Ennis is looking to rebound from that no contest against Chris Van Hurden, which pretty much robbed him of his knockout streak because he was well on his way to knocking that guy out as well. It's interesting, TJ, because with Jerron Boots in this, he's not behind any major promotional label to uh, get the big fights. So he's having to force himself to go for the old-fashioned way, which is the IBF route here. And that's what's happening with this fight here. With Lipinets, his last go-round was a uh, very uneventful majority draw against uh, late replacement Custio Clayton, which is why Ennis is more, um, depending on when you're listening to this, is probably a 10-to-1 favorite to win the fight. Mm. Uh, mainly... And the and catch with that as well, it's those who are listening. Lipinitz uh, mentioned during the media calls this week that he had an injury in his hand the last fight against Clayton. Take the four it's worth. It, it may be an excuse. It may be his reasoning. But at the end of the day, he's fighting again on Showtime. And, and-, and
0: Ennis suffered a nasty gash back in December in that no contest you mentioned. His opponent clashed heads with him. They had to stop the fight, and they had not gone four rounds to go to the scorecard. So it was ruled a no contest. So is still undefeated. Will that cut? perhaps be a problem i'm sure they used a plastic surgeon or whatever to get it fixed to get it closed but it was a nasty forehead yeah. gash for him the last time out he's the headliner uh, on that card and also there's a couple of other fights there's another welterweight fight uh, and a couple of other fights to keep an eye on as well on the uh showtime card in connecticut right
2: Absolutely, TJ. Uh, The co-main event is uh, a welterweight prospect who's been making a a lot of noise on these FS1 cars for PBC. Uh, Imatias Stenionis, I've been working on it. Uh, He's in action (laughs) against uh, Thomas DeLoren (laughs) in the co-main event. Fun kid, TJ. Big power, big prospect. Uh, Coming off of DeLoren, who's coming off a loss, uh, we'll see what this is. It's one of those crossroads fights to see uh, where he stands. And for him, it's a big step up in competition. And also, it's the return of uh, Geron Akaias as well, TJ. Finally having his IBF Mando against Jonathan Rodriguez, which should be a fun fight for well, for as long as it lasts. Uh, I don't think Rodriguez p- was much of a fight, but at some point for Gerwin Akaias, who hasn't been uh, ac- fighting since the pandemic, he's got to fight someone for as long sure. as he's had this IBF title, Title, someone of a pulse. And these IBF manos just aren't cutting it for me.
0: And Cajas, uh, German and Cajas, and Cajas uh-huh. is the 115-pound champ for the IBF. So again, the little guys will be battling before we see the welterweights fight. On Showtime. A few moments left. We saved the best, arguably, fight card for last. That's the top ranked show, long delayed Joe Smith Jr. light heavyweight title fight. Uh, this one coming against Maxim Vlasov, a Russian. Vlasov had COVID 19, so they couldn't have the fight back a couple of months ago. They rescheduled it for April. Now here it is. And it's a real question mark as to how much that's going to zap uh, Vlasov, and he had to stop training, etc. Uh, Joe Smith Jr. hard puncher, vacant WBO light heavyweight title. That's the main event. What do you what do you see out of this, and what about the odds here on, on what we're looking at?
2: Absolutely, TJ. This is going to be the fight of the week, uh, uh, pretty much fight of the weekend as well on ESPN, with this top-ranked show coming from the, uh, uh, the uh, Ori or 16-0 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which will have about 800 people, TJ. So for once, we're slowly getting back to having people making noise in some fight cards in other locations, finally. And thank and-
0: you for correcting me, not in the Vegas bubble, but actually in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where they could have some fans and some atmosphere. Uh, and Top Rank's been talking about this, trying to have shows in other places. So thank you for the correction on that. And Smith is obviously the favorite here to get yeah. this done. And and how much will the COVID-19 infection for Vlazov that, that caused him to stop training, how much will that be a factor? For example, I know his 42 years had something to do with it, but we talked on the podcast uh, last week that the fight a couple weekends ago with Alexander Povetkin in the heavyweight rematch, he looked rubbery in the second round, like he had nothing, not from punches, but just nothing in the tank after having COVID-19. Again, age might have had something to do with that, yeah. but that's not good for Vlazov anyway when Joe Smith's a big puncher, Joe Smith Jr. here.
2: Absolutely, TJ. And the one thing that Vlazov mentioned uh, during the media rounds this week about, about his COVID test is that he he claims it was a false positive. We've heard that story before between uh, from, between several other fights, like between Jamel Herring and Michaela Mayer and surprisingly enough uh give or take what happens in the ring afterwards it looks like it happened so it's it will be interesting to see tj with Vlasov how he shapes up because he's also been off and coming off an 18 month fight layoff as well the tree skate the tree landscaper joe smith jr tj uh been working on this fight had his wedding delayed because of it yeah as you will know happy wife happy life she's happy (laughs) and uh, joseph is going for this uh this title that he was looking for. He pretty much mentioned that he wanted since he was 13 years old out of this, uh, this long awaited WBO light heavyweight tournament they had for the longest here TJ. That's that finally sees these two face off.
0: All right. And I wonder if this so that's is- the, that's the main event. Vacant title, 12 round fight for Smith and Vlazoff at Saturday night ESPN in the, uh, in the U S and on the undercard uh, two heavyweights, including one of your favorites, F a Ajagba. Uh, in action, as well as in a separate battle, Jared Big Baby, the real Big Baby Anderson, who scored a huge knockout in his last fight. He's a young, up-and-coming fighter out of Ohio. So you're interested in the undercard on a jogba and the real Big Baby, right, in separate fights.
2: Absolutely, TJ. Let me start with first with the F.A. Ajagba, my man from Nigeria, who's been hanging out in Texas for the last three years, taking on Brian Howard, who uh, Christmas day, day after Christmas on that PBC card against... Uh, uh, Frank Sanchez, TJ, did not look uh, to say good is being wrong. This <laughs> good. So um, someone's getting knocked out in that fight as well, and I'm expecting FH up to make a rebound after his dull showing against Jonathan Price. Uh, and also, as well, the big, real big baby, uh, you know, I'm just going to call him big baby because there's, there's, there's no other big babies out there at this point. You're the one suspended for drugs for the next 50 years. So right. uh, Jared Anderson is in action against Joseph Capersi and in, the, in a big step of fight for him. And he's never one to keep an eye on TJ because he's been knocking people out. He last seen knocking out Kingsley eBay in the bubble last go round. Mm. real t- former wicked former, former
0: straight left-hand knockout that made the rounds virally after yeah. it happened. Right. So big, real big baby minus 6,000 in the fight. So heavily favored, uh, in that one, a jog 2000 for our friends at the sports gambling podcast and those that love to short-term invest on these yeah. fights, Real big baby, you got him winning in how many rounds? It's not, it's not going the distance. It's an eight rounded schedule. It's a scheduled eight rounder. Not, not going to hear the bell for the what round? What would you say? You do not hear the bell you know for what these,
2: the. You know what? Uh, give me, give me the fourth. It's, it's the reason why they okay. say these these fights are scheduled for eight rounds or less.
0: <laughs> All right, so you won't hear the bell for the fourth. Joe Smith Jr. Uh, by the way, is minus three thirty to beat Vlazov. We could not find the under over. We'll go with the obligatory like nine and a half or ten rounds. You believe this one's going late? Or might Joe Smith Jr. ended it early against the Russian?
2: No, TJ, I think this is going to go late. Uh, Joe Smith in his last go round, also uh, facing uh, Eleanor Alvarez. And I think Vlazov's a little better than him. And that went t- t- 10 rounds as well. So I'm, I'm expecting that to go pretty much the distance, honestly.
0: All right. Again, we got fight cards from London earlier in the day. U.S. time to uh, Showtime's uh, primetime card in the... Uh, mohegan sun bubble in connecticut and then again in tulsa oklahoma as marquise corrected me for smith vlazoff on espn saturday night fights everywhere and as we say again to the audience they got to keep it locked into bigfightweekend.com not just for the podcast but for the website all the previews all the recaps we're going to be rolling this weekend again marquise right
2: Absolutely, TJ. Bigfightweekend.com, uh, your source for all boxing news, past, present, and future. Going to keep up with everything going on this weekend in the world of boxing is really intrigued at this Shannon Courtney, Ebony Bridges fight, TJ, is gonna answer a lot of questions all across boxing internet, Twitter. And looking forward to that. Seeing how soon uh, we'll, we'll get with the NS Lippinitz winner and see how that comes up. Maybe Lippinitz pulls off the upset. I'll keep an eye on that. Either way, TJ, these guys are going for the IBF chain of command and the current IBF holder at 147 is some guy named Earl Spence. So that's yep. one to keep an eye out for.
0: And Joe Smith Jr. going for a light heavyweight uh, world championship for the WBO. Mm-hmm. Heavyweights on that card as well. We always love the heavyweights. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Fantastic job, Marquise. Great stuff. Uh, we'll be reading you this weekend. Uh, and again, we've got a great anniversary with Hearns and Haglers. We were talking about earlier in the podcast with our guest that the Hagler Leonard anniversary was this week. Next week is Hearns Hagler. Can't wait to talk more about that in the nostalgic. We love writing about the nostalgia on Big Fight weekend, do we not?
2: Absolutely, TJ, especially uh, the Hagler Hearns, where it's like people oh. who have. That's just one of those fights where if you don't like boxing, I don't know what's wrong with you. And if you do, you've probably seen this fight at least 40 times.
0: (laughs) Greatest short fight ever, ever. I mean, that says it all, ever. Any division ever, especially the first round. Greatest first round ever. Greatest first round without a knockdown for sure ever with the way that they just hold off and clobbered each other. So we love writing about the historical and as you said, the uh, the current and the future uh, as well on Big Fight Weekend. Marquise Johns, thank you. I appreciate you hanging out with me again. We'll watch all the action this week. And we'll be back aboard with another edition of the podcast next week. Thank you, Marquise. Thanks, DJ. Thanks also to author Brian Dugan. The book is The Super Fight on Leonard and Hagler. Find it on Amazon.com. On his website as well, that he was giving you Brian Dugan Media, spelled Dugan D O O G A N. Brian Dugan Media to get that book, a great book about that epic middleweight fight won by Sugar Ray Leonard from Brian Dugan. We thank him for being with us. We thank you for being with us. We thank the Sports Gambling Podcast for their promotion through their network of shows, SportsGamblingPodcast.com. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Get the podcast automatically in the preview mode. Enjoy the fights this weekend. We'll be writing all about them throughout the weekend in the preview and the recap mode on the site. We're back next week for the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Bye.